Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes that will help nurture growth. It's welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I am super excited to have you on and talk to us today about mental fortitude. It's definitely a topic that we've never touched on before on this show. Very unique. So I'm sure you have some things to share from your journey as it relates to mental fortitude. But before we dive in, how about you share some details about yourself? Let us know how you got here today and what you're doing. Yeah, so I am bossy. I am noisy. I am a highly credentialed fitness pro. I have a master's in exercise sports sciences. I've been teaching for quite a few decades already around the world, and I stay busy with keynote presentations. I'm a professional race announcer, so I host dozens of America's largest, most iconic running events. And what else? I've got four books. Three of them are part of the Cancer Comeback series. And I just love to help people live better and longer. Uh, I was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago, and that was no fun. And certainly my exercise and nutrition really paid off in spades in so many ways, culminating in the fact that I'm here and I'm doing very well. But the way cancer screws with your mind is just beyond understanding, even if you've been next to it, even if you have a spouse who've had it, it's, it's impossible to know what it's like to be on the inside of a cancer patient, unless you are one. And the mental fortitude became this, it's like the 12th man at a football game. When you've got that 90,000 people cheering for the team, helping you win, the voices in my head became very powerful. Oh, wow. Now I I will say my mother had breast cancer 10 years ago. She was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. And I, of course, personally, I don't know what she was going through. But when you say like the voices in your head and you don't know what's happening in someone's body, I know what was happening in my body as her daughter. So I can only imagine what was happening to her and some of the things that she was going through. And typically my interactions with people who, who've been through a cancer journey, chemo, most people will say if they had to do it over again, or if it comes back that they refuse treatment, they don't want to do treatment. Was that something that was really going through your head? Okay. If this comes back, there's no way I'm doing this again. No, I would be, <laughs> it was a living nightmare. It was 15 months of help, but for sure I would do it again. Cause I have two kids and there's no way I would sign off voluntarily. I want every single second of their life that I can get my hands on. In fact, when I definitely thought I was dying up front, I I was sad to die, like losing my own life was pretty tough, but grieving the loss of Ginger and Parker's lives, they were 15 and 13 at the time, was unacceptable, unbearable. Yeah, giving up, throwing in the towel isn't who I am, even though I was under incredible duress. I, I love that because yeah, it's so different from what I've heard from some of the people who've experienced there's some people that are very selfish with, and I, I don't know if that's like the proper way to say selfish that have been re-diagnosed with cancer. They refuse to share with their families. And I always wonder, there's other people in this world that care and that would be hurt by someone leaving this earth. And that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, I actually partially through my treatment. So I had 15 months of chemo, 33 rounds of radiation and 
surgery. And it was about the five month mark of the meanest chemo. And they gave me the most toxic combination of drugs they give anybody. And so it was after my final round of the mean stuff. And I was just in dire straits. Everything was wrong with me. And I had a particularly difficult night, which led to a particularly difficult morning. And it was at that point where I finally understood how people could discontinue treatment. It was, I thought, okay, now I get it. Because before I thought, no way would I ever give up. Now, mind you, not pursuing treatment is way different than just giving up. But at that day, I thought, okay, if I were not, if I were never going to have a better day than I'm having today, I would understand why people would give up treatment. So there's a, There's many sides to this Rubik's cube of cancer, but I, I don't think that would have been giving up so much as putting a halt to the punishment, right? Definitely. I understand what exactly what you're saying. And I want you to go back to sh- understanding like your journey. And you know, if you're open to sharing, what was really like your thought process when you were diagnosed? What were the emotions um, and thoughts that were going through your head? Yeah. So it was, I've never experienced that much stress, not in my entire life, cumulatively put against that one, that first day, the amount of stress that comes with cancer is just unusual to say the least. So that was really tough. And I just grieved. I was just really, I I was fearful of death. And again, it was losing my kids. Imagine if someone said, okay, you're never going to see your kids again. Even if you're dead in the ground and you're not feeling anything, that loss was tremendous. So it's just, it was so tough, but thankfully I'm Fitz Kohler and I have this sunshiny attitude and I've also practiced the skill of having a really good attitude. There's a thing is, yes, I was born with a sunny disposition, but having a good attitude and making good choices is completely learnable. And so I implemented perspective and my perspective used to be, it's not cancer. I used to put everything, traffic jams, delays, not getting a particular job, whatever it was, up against having a kid with cancer. And if it weren't, if it wasn't that, I would say, okay, it's not such a big deal. And then for me, it was cancer and I was very upset. But then I thought, I'm not a kid with cancer. Can you imagine being a kid with cancer, having no clue what's going on and having to endure all that? So that was my first thought. And then I thought, how lucky am I that it's not my kid with cancer? I'm a grown up with cancer. And even though this sucks, I'm going to put on my big girl panties and figure it out. So that was the first part of making incredible decisions for a really long, arduous ordeal. Wow. Now you talked about some of the things that you were going through at the very beginning, the voices in your head and people not really knowing what's happening inside of someone's body. So I can imagine just trying to deal with that on a day-to-day. So in what ways did you develop and employ coping strategies to have that resilient mindset? What are some of the things that you did? Yeah. So first of all, cancer is a very lonely experience and I'm sure any illness or injury is, even though you have people that love you around you, hopefully, and supporters, I had to take 100% of those needle pokes. I had to take every drop of chemo. There was nobody who would just say, I love you so much. I'm going to fill in for you at radiation today. There just wasn't, nobody could do it. So I had to do those things. And my, the voices in my head really kicked in before I started chemo, my, before my treatment started, I had to go in for an MRI. It was a last minute effort because my cancer was moving so fast. They were very eager to get me going, get my treatment underway. 
and I, I'm claustrophobic and anybody knows anything about an MRI knows that they basically shove you in a teeny tiny tube and it's very stressful. Thor bangs his hammer on the side of the machine. It's very stressful. But for me, I went in for this breast MRI and the woman, the tech said, okay, get on the bed and lie down on your face, put your face in the cradle and your arms above your head like Superman. And I thought, I told her, I said, no, I'm supposed to just lie on my back. And she said, no, not for your breast. And so I did, I lied down on this thing and I didn't take a moment to crack my back or put my hair back. And I went straight down like Superman and she took these plates and pinned me down clunk by each breast. And so now I'm pinned there thinking, oh God, this is bad. And I should have taken a moment to crack my back, put my hair up, whatever, but I didn't. And so she shoves me into the machine and she says, don't move or you'll ruin anything. And with that, I lost my marbles. I lost my marbles. I went to kicking and screaming and flailing and begging. And she brings me out of the machine sobbing and she's yelling at me now. She's saying, I stayed late for you. You won't be able to start chemo on Monday. You need to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I just begged. I said, please just give me a moment to get myself together and I'll get back in. And so I, I get myself together. She puts me back on the bed, shoves me back in the machine and I am freaking out, but I can't freak out. I cannot freak out. I have to stay perfectly still or we're not going to be able to get the cancer killing show on the road. And so what happened there was just magic inside my head, even though I was panicking, the little Fitzkohler started saying, you can do this. You can do hard things. You have built a global business. You have raised two great kids. You used to be a competitive kickboxer. You can do this. And so for 45 minutes while I was in that machine, she kept encouraging me. She kept calming me down. She kept saying, you got this. And she could have also been saying, oh my God, this is what your coffin's going to feel like. This is, you're on your way out. But instead she talked me up instead of putting me down. And eventually the 45 minutes were over and I had said, you can do hard things enough. And they let me out. And I learned that day that if I were going to survive cancer, I was going to constantly have to do things that terrify me. And she was always in my head, taking care of me, making sure I got through each miserable step. So it's almost in an instinct you had to develop this thick skin just to overcome your immediate fears. And cancer is, it's huge. And you think about the people who are scared of, so many people are scared of so many things, <laughs> but right. cancer, that's definitely a big one. And I think fear is a very natural response, especially if you're diagnosed and trying to determine like, how do you manage and, and even overcome it? You don't know the potential outcome. So I think that's natural. Or I, I would like you to tell us, but I'm, I'm in my head, I'm imagining that was the moment that you're like, all right, my mental fortitude needs to kick in. Yeah, it just did. And I walked out of there thinking, whoa, I can't believe I actually lied there for 45 minutes and let them do that to me. It just, it boggled my mind that I was able to get through it. And then just all is so scary. And they say courage isn't the absence of fear. It's moving forward in spite of it. And I'm a medical wimp. I'm afraid of needles. They probably sh stuck me with 300 needles. It was constant. And in my chest, nonetheless, life is hard. Life is scary. I learned, I learned to really evaluate what was really scary and what was not many years ago when I built my business. And I, I had some moments where I was afraid to ask for opportunities <laughs> and some of those fears lasted far too long. A couple of years, I delayed, I denied myself of opportunities because I was afraid to ask for them. 
And I, I had this aha moment when I was particularly, I was training for a fight, which is a, a rough road. And I came out of the gym. It was me. I had just fought with about six different people, all way bigger than me. I went to get this magazine that they had written an article on me and all the magazines they just did a terrible job. They spelled my name wrong. They would make up quotes. Every time I was featured in a magazine, I was upset and I was wishing I could write the article. And so anyways, I come out of this miserable training session and I get the magazine, I'm irritated. And I think, gosh, I just wish I could write the article. And then the light bulb went off and I thought, dummy, you stand in a ring in front of thousands of people with an opponent who wants to knock you unconscious. Why are you so afraid to make a phone call? And it was that light bulb went off and I thought, oh, dummy, this is stupid. And so I made that phone call that day. Not only did I get hired to write the article, but they gave me lots of money for it. And I, it was a real revelation for me that my most of my fears were just absurd. And I decided if there was no bleeding, bruising or broken bones involved, I wasn't going to chicken out of anything. And so that lesson helped me every day in business and personal life moving forward. And then finally, when cancer came, I had really practiced being a person who demonstrated courage, right? I would get past my fear. I was able to talk myself out of chickening out of whatever I did. So when you fail, I hope everybody knows out there when you fail, when you're not chosen for a team, when you're not chosen for a promotion or whatever it is, all of those experiences, all of those difficult experiences are stealing you. They are preparing you for the big stuff. And when the big stuff comes, you are going to utilize all of those coping mechanisms that you learned when you broke up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I Nobody likes to fail. Nobody likes to have hardship, but nobody also gets out of this life unscathed. And so we have to be prepared to make great decisions in the face of hardship. That's some really great sound advice. And for someone to prepare to overcome whatever challenges that they are going to incur through this life, are there any sort of practices and things that you do that you can suggest to other people? Yeah, absolutely. So there, it's twofold. It's looking on the bright side, not being a, De a Debbie Downer or a Danny Downer. You get in that traffic jam and instead of whining and moaning and making it a bigger deal than it is, maybe you could be grateful that you're not the person in the car accident who caused the traffic jam. Red wine spilt on your white carpet. All you can think about is how lucky you are not to be in the pediatric oncology unit with a kid right now. So it's constantly looking at the bright side. And if you don't get this promotion, know that you're going to be available for a different opportunity. So looking at the bright side is number one, and then practice doing things that scare you. Now, not if it's uh, walking in front of a train, obviously, but ask for opportunities or try something new. Practice doing things you're bad at. I just randomly picked up guitar lessons for for months ago. I'm a grown up. I've never played guitar, but I thought, huh, that would be a nice challenge. I got invited to do a ballroom dancing, a dancing with the stars competition. I was like, eh, okay, that sounds hard. I'd love to do it. So you have to practice looking at the bright side, convincing yourself that it's not so bad and you shouldn't have a tantrum. And then you also should ask for, do things that scare you, whatever they are, as long as they're not imminently harmful. In the last few years, and I think <clears throat> there has like been a huge highlight to, to a few things, um, especially since COVID hit with uh, mental health and 
definitely mental fortitude falls under that mental health category where companies were pushing meditation, mindfulness, all these things that can help you if you are anxious or you're scared. Now, is that something that you do as well? Do you practice any sort of meditation techniques? Uh, that I do not do, but I exercise vigorously all the time. I am the most well-adjusted person on earth because I am constantly venting out any toxic energy through dumbbells or a treadmill or a trail. And I, I do other things for peace of mind. So exercise is number one for me. I sleep really well. I enjoy music. I spend time with my dogs. I am the queen of me time. I work my tail off. My, bu my business is very busy and I work hard, but there's always a pause when I need it for me. And everybody needs to do that. I think it's important to have quiet time and exercise time and then fun time. Do things that make you giggle. I Definitely. <laughs> now, exercise, I try to stay on the schedule, but I, I have heard that there is a relationship between your mental and physical well-being, like this mind-body connection. Most people say you'll feel better if you get up and you just go for a walk or you get into the gym. Do you think that has a lot to do with someone being able to build up their resilience? Absolutely. It's proven. It's not a question. It's absolutely proven. And those skills you learn through exercise are skills that will take you through mental hardship. I work in the running industry, right? And so sometimes people are running a 5K, which is only 3.1 miles. And then sometimes people are running 26.2 miles or 100 miles. And it's that commitment to keeping to keep going, right? Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Even when it hurts, even when you're tired, even when you want to quit, you keep going. And so that works in pickleball. That's the same thing in karate and dance and any other sport or any other physical activity, it's the skill of showing discipline and determination. And you use those physical skills you've learned, those mental skills you've learned through physical work and carry it over to real crises. And there's very few things more powerful than someone who takes good care of their body. Fitz, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, and you talked about people asking for different opportunities, trying something new and, and doing things scared. And yeah, when you said that, it popped in my mind. I think there's a t-shirt somewhere out there that says, do it scared. <laughs> and I, I think that's, that's definitely like motivation for people to, to step out of their comfort zone, because that's most of the time, that's where you will grow by doing things that you're not comfortable with. Now, for someone who has never stepped outside of their comfort zone, do you have any tips for them to get on that road to being uncomfortable? Yeah, I would say baby steps and baby steps are probably the best rule of thumb for any activity. Once, if maybe you want to start asking people out on dates, that's a really big move for some. Maybe you can invite a friend for coffee. Now, asking asking people out on dates, that might be too large. <laughs> I mean, that's... Especially if you're a lady, like most ladies don't really go in like on the aggressive side and ask for dates. I was like, that might be a stretch. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm a very traditional person as far as the girl roles and the guy roles. And I love it. I, I Actually, I'm quite chivalrous too. I hold the door for lots of people, but I definitely love it when a man holds the door and a man pays and a man provides flowers. And I do my part to act like a lady, whatever that is. But... I do think if there was someone I really wanted to go out with and I were single, I would say, hey, would you like to blank? Would you like to go to the movies or whatever? It's 
what are what could go wrong? They say no. Okay, ego bruised. You'll get over it. But yeah, instead of if I think it's far less intimidating to ask a a pal out for coffee than to ask a romantic interest out on a date. So to find whatever the less intimidating version of your big goal is and start there. But yeah, baby steps that goes with fitness, that goes with nutrition, that goes with music. If you're going to learn a language, you don't just hop into a Spanish class and poof, get down to Miami and start yammering on with everyone. You got to learn like the first four words and then learn another word the next day and, and keep going from there. Yeah. Baby steps is really the only way I see fit. I just started laughing because I was trying to imagine myself like asking someone on a date or doing something. It sounds really good until you get, you, you talk yourself up and you're going to do something and then you're like, mm, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners are guys. Can you imagine? So I have two kids and uh, one of each, and I told my son that it's a very brave thing to do to ask a girl out on a date and just be polite and do your best. And then my daughter, I've said, if anyone asks you on a date, I want you to be completely compassionate. Even if you have zero interest in this guy, what I want you to be is kind because he has extended himself and put his little heart at risk to, to be kind to you and offer a lovely opportunity for you. So always be kind. And so I do know that asking anyone out on a date is brave, but lots of people do it. And that's how you get to the good stuff, right? That's how you get to romance and relationships and maybe marriage, maybe kids, right? Someone's got to make that move. But you, if, if you don't ever make the move, you may never have the opportunity. Right. <laughs> We're talking about doing things that make you uncomfortable. And while for some people, it may be easy to step out of that comfort zone for others, it's a little bit more difficult like myself, but let's talk about challenges and balancing those challenges and doing something that makes you uncomfortable could be a challenge. Many people like in their day-to-day -day lives have so many things on their to-do list, whether you are working, many people have multiple jobs, you have a side hustle, you may have a family at home. So you have all of these different challenges that can become demanding and you have to prioritize. Do you have any suggestions for someone who just has a super busy schedule and how do they maintain that mental resilience? So first of all, I think you have to force in physical health because without that, you've got nothing. And I don't just mean that in a dramatic cancer way. I'm saying if you are overweight and out of shape and you haven't been exercising, you are physically weak. You're probably sleeping like crap. You probably haven't put nourishing food in your body. Everything's going wrong. You're not going to be able to handle much. Probably not thriving at work. If you're not taking good care of yourself, people might look at you and think, I don't know if that person has what it takes to be successful here. I don't know if I want to hire that person. I don't know if I want to work for that person. I don't know if that person has the energy or the confidence, right? If you're a sloucher, they may look and say, yeah, that person can't do the jobs. Your physical health really has a capacity to impact your career. And then of course, if you are working really hard, let's say you have the job, whatever it is, can you keep up with it? and thrive if you're not in good health. So that's number one. If you have a family, know that if you are exercising regularly, strength, cardio, flexibility, balance, you will feel better about yourself. You will have more energy to play with your kids. You will have more energy and more confidence to get it on with your partner every night or every week, whatever schedule you have. And you really will be able to do a lot more in a lot less time. And if you can accomplish your goals at work quickly, and you can accomplish 
the honeydews at home and have some fun with those kids, then you will be able to make more time for meal prepping or running or dancing or whatever it is you like to do for exercise. But I truly believe that you can't have mental health if your body is falling apart. It just, you can't have it. So force it in. There's a million ways we could force in physical health from waking up early to staying up late to doing walk and talk meetings instead of sitting on a Zoom call, staring at the screen while sitting in your office chair, put the Zoom call on your phone and go for a walk while you talk. So we can squeeze in exercise in a million ways, but I think focusing on yourself is the first step in being able to handle your mind. And I think if you are exercising, you're going to have far less stress than you would if you weren't. I love that, like forcing the physical health. And something that my company has suggested is taking those calls, those long teams or Zoom calls while you're going for a walk to the mailbox or around the block and you're not sitting all day. And many people have been working from home for almost four years now. So the forcing physical health part is super important. And I know coming from you, I, I would consider you a fitness advocate. I know you have a lot of things that are going on in the fitness world and you have some videos. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more around that and how you're making fitness fun. I make fitness fun by first helping people understand it. If it's understandable, people can feel a little more comfortable giving it a go. But most importantly, people, when they pursue fitness, they pursue all four pillars of fitness. They don't just walk and only walk. They need to pursue cardiovascular fitness, strength, flexibility, and balance. But to make fitness fun, you have to have choices. And so I never tell anybody to run. I work in the running industry. I love the running industry. I love running myself, but you may not. That may not be your cup of tea. Maybe you like cycling or swimming or dancing or martial arts, whatever it is. So my job is to steer you to do something that interests you. And when you have chosen, if you think, gosh, I've always wanted to jitterbug, and then you start taking jitterbug classes and you're learning and you're laughing, then you'll want to stick with it. And we know that a few times a week, every time you go to jitterbug class, you're going to get your cardiovascular workout. You may loathe yoga, but you might really enjoy stretching at home on a mat with your dog. Okay, do that. And so I think having personal preference involved in fitness goes a long way because if you're just doing what some random told you to do, you're far less likely to stick with it. And that's really the secret to longevity and health is stick to it. You got to keep going. Fitness isn't temporary. It's for life. And if you, sadly, if you don't focus on fitness, you won't have as much life and you certainly won't have as much quality. I love it. And if it's, I'm sure some listeners are, they're probably going to be asking me why I didn't ask more questions, but it's clear that your journey in overcoming cancer has helped shape your perspective and insights around resilience and, and mental fortitude and just continuing to move through everyday life. Like reflecting on that journey, is there anything that you would have changed or done differently? What would I have done differently? I feel really proud about the decisions I made. I kept going with my career. I boarded over 30 planes out of Gainesville, Florida to go announce races and do keynote presentations while bald, never wore a wig. I just owned it. And I was able to experience some really miraculous moments out on the road. If I would have stayed home, all I would have been was sick, but I kept going and I had a lot 
of goodness in my life during a really bad time. So what, I don't know what I would change. I, I really honestly, that's a weird thing to say during, after a cancer experience, I wouldn't change much, but I, you know what? I wish I could have eaten more. That would have been nice. Other than that, I think I was, had a four or five star decision-making experience for cancer. And hopefully I never have to make those decisions again. Hopefully not. And so glad that you were able to overcome that again. Oh, I will say that anyone who who's going through that definitely needs some sort of support system outside of family. Any groups that you can suggest for someone who is going through cancer? Yeah, I think the American Cancer Society does a bang up job providing bits of support that people need, whether you need a wig. For me, they provided house cleaning a couple of times, which was so lovely. Uh, the Donna Foundation, I actually announced the Donna National Marathon to finish breast cancer, and they're based in Jacksonville, Florida, but any breast cancer patient can call them and they will help you get resources uh, for necessities, for groceries. They will help keep your lights on in your house if you can't work. A lot of people, they're so sick, they can't go to work and they lose their income. It becomes a cascading nightmare of problems when you're so sick. So the Donna Foundation is top-notch, as is American Cancer Society. And I would definitely encourage people to just reach out to them upon their diagnosis and form a relationship. And then if they become in need, those organizations are eager to jump in and provide support. Thank you for sharing those resources. So, and we'll share some additional groups and resources in the show notes. And Fitz, you also wrote a book about your journey. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So I actually wrote three books, the Cancer Comeback series. So the first is My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Running at the Mouth While Running for My Life. It is my memoir. It's filled with all the gory, juicy, hilarious, and weird details that I experienced when I when my cancer collided with race announcing and keynote speaking. So it's just what I find is a lot of people with cancer, they don't go into the weird stuff. So then when you experience the weird stuff as a cancer patient, you think, why didn't anybody tell me this? My fingernails ripped off. My eyes changed colors. Nobody warned me about those things. So when they happened, it was weird. It was, it, I felt like I was in the twilight zone. So my book is very open and honest, and apparently it's helping lots of cancer patients, which I love. And then I also uh, have written and published Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong. It is a guidebook for cancer patients of all sorts of every gender, age, type of cancer to help people navigate exercise and nutrition during can uh, chemo, radiation, and surgery. And all oncologists will tell their patients, you should exercise, you should eat right, because endless studies prove that exercise and nutrition can help you get closer to remission and help you avoid recurrence. However, oncologists have no idea to tell you how to, to explain how, because that's not what they do. So I wrote the book on it. It helps people navigate uh, health from diagnosis on through it and then beyond helping people get back to vibrant and healthy strength and stamina. There's also the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal, which is full color, filled with wonderful prompts, not only about diagnosis and treatment, but friends, family, faith, the funny stuff. What celebrity do you look like bald? For me, my most common um, comparison was Crazy Britney Spears. I got that all the time. You look like Crazy Britney Spears. And I would say, oh, 
thank you. And the back half of the book is designated as a log to help people go from sick to strong with exercise, nutrition, sleep, and strawberry moments, which are the best part of each day. And those books, they're available globally wherever books are sold. However, when people order them at my site, fitness.com, that's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com, every book that's ordered from my company gets signed and we ship it out in beautiful, beautifully wrapped because we want all of my readers to feel special. I love it. And that was definitely going to be my next question. Where can they find your book? Oh, yes. Well, make sure we add your at your website there. And I imagine on Amazon as well. Yes. And I also, my noisy cancer comeback is available in audiobook, which a lot of people are looking for now. I'm a big audiobook listener. You you talked about some of the funny moments and in my head, I was going over a lot of the things that my mom shared with me that I won't repeat on this podcast, but she shared so many interesting things that was happening to her. And I was like, okay, TMI. You know what? If you don't laugh at at the situation, you go, it was Definitely bizarre and so funny sometimes. So funny, I just had to laugh. So definitely, I think we tried to get her to start a a podcast or something where she can actually talk and get it out. And it sounds like you found a way to do that, like writing the book. And I think that's it's so special and unique because most people, some people just don't want to think about it ever again. They don't want to go back and and relive those experiences. And it's, I always feel like you have to do some sort of self-reflection, even on the bad things that have happened in your life. And it just helps you overcome things and build that resilience even more. And I wish my mom would have done something like that because she had so many funny stories to tell. So I can only imagine what's in your book. I'll have to check it out. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So Fitz, we're towards the end of the show and you've shared some very good details with us on mental fortitude and resilience. If you could share one last piece of advice to listeners on how they can enhance their mental resilience, mental fortitude, what would that be based on your own experiences? Yeah, definitely. Besides having perspective and pursuing health at all costs is pursue your passions, no matter what. Uh, They really carried me through my cancer nightmare, right? I chose from the start, I was not going to give up time with my kids or my career. Those were my commitments. Those were the things that gave me purpose. They drove me to do better. And I was able to do that because I declared I was going to, right? I made it happen and they truly worked for me. If you love, soccer's got to be a part of your world. Even if you're sick in the hospital, if you're sick in the hospital and you can't play soccer, okay, watch it on television or read a book about soccer. Or if you love animals and you can't be with them, get on TikTok and watch funny animal videos. Whatever your hobby is, there's a, or passion, I should say, there's a way to incorporate it into your world, no matter what's going on. And and I think those things are just essential for survival because cancer can be lengthy. It can be difficult. Obviously some people get off easier than others. And then obviously some people don't make it out, but if all your experience are the experiencing are the negatives, oof, that'll put you in a absolutely miserable state. Even on your worst days, choose something that brings you joy, force it into your day, force it into each day. And I think that'll help lift you up just enough to carry you through. Love it. Love it. I have have enjoyed our conversation. Wish it could be longer. So we'll definitely have to have you back and discuss more on resilience, but Fitz, I appreciate your time and you sharing so much with our audience today. 
Oh, you're a sweetheart. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with Angel online on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss RMBA. That's M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. Be sure to subscribe and review. Join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones, motivation, and money. Thank you.